0: You know what sex every night sounds pretty good and there's the start of our podcast that was perfect i i clicked record just at the right time (laughs) welcome in to another episode of too many points i am mac moore and i apologize to any of our fans all 12 of them uh for missing the last couple weeks uh this was the start of not only a crazy football season with the pandemic going on but uh, I wasn't even sure if there was going to be a high school season. I wasn't sure if I was going to get laid off heading into this fall. But sports are happening. Uh, I had to jump into that full force and did not have enough time to start talking uh, with you guys. But now I have a little bit of time, not a lot. So we're going to jump in. I couldn't miss an opportunity to talk about the first week of the NFL season, talk about college football and all of its craziness, uh, the the supernova uh, – belt conference taking over that's what their new name is now and i I just had to make sure we got nba and i feel bad missing the first few weeks but guess what most important is the finals get the conference finals right now gonna have a fun couple weeks of, of basketball coming up so i knew i had to get on the horn with jackson schneider and marco marquez guys how's it going after we've this is really the return of sports forget everything else it was like we got a couple things now sports are back
1: Oh, my God, it feels so good. I I can't even, like, tell you how good it felt to wake up on Saturday and to just not leave this couch for (laughs) hours.
2: I think I had a combined maybe, like, a 1,000, maybe 2,000 steps accumulated over the weekend, uh, which is perfectly fine because that means my Saturdays and Sunday uh, was spent how I wanted it to spend it. Nothing came up surprising, nothing like that.
0: It was great. See, that's good. My my watch uh, said you're not meeting your calorie goals, which is hilarious because those goals were set from me being lazy over the last few months. So I was like that much extra lazy and it has to keep reminding me. I think my favorite is the watch when it tells me like, good job getting up, you know, this hour. And I'm like, God, you set the bar so low for me. And <laughs> it's, it's like a slap in the face. You're pretending this is some passive aggressive shit coming from my smartwatch. But uh, that's probably my favorite bit of technology and I will get rid of this watch as soon as the contract runs out, because God, that's just too depressing. But getting into the first week of football, I did say before we jumped on that we're going to start with college and uh, some sadness for all of us because uh, me and Marco are out in, in Lawrence, still holding it down as Jayhawk fans. As sad as that can be, and then Jackson Schneider, who you know pretended to be a Jayhawk fan for a while, but really was a Wildcat fan, and finally got to make it out to a job in Manhattan. So congratulations, Jackson. But as soon as you get there, you cause K-State to tank. They get taken down by Arkansas State. What happened, Jackson?
1: And that's just on me. It's just my fault. <laughs> All there is to it, man. I didn't come prepared. I wasn't ready for the game. And it, it showed. And that's just its my fault. Uh, Did you get arrested it,
0: for trying to break into the stadium?
1: No, I broke past, like, twice listening on the radio, wishing <laughs> that I could get in there. Because, like, with my new job, like, I'll get cleared for credentials, but it was too short of a turnaround to get them for mm-hmm. the first game. But, oh, my gosh, I was just – I had FOMO so bad. I just wanted to be in there in some capacity, and I couldn't be. But then about mid-third quarter, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's okay that yeah, I'm not yeah. in there right now.
0: <laughs> if there was a game to miss, this one was it. Marco, watching uh, the Jayhawks, I've seen things as this is the worst half of football in KU Jayhawk history, which says a lot if you've watched any Jayhawk football in the last few years. First, Marco, would you agree with that uh, assessment? And how much did you cry on Saturday? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't let
2: KU football get to me to the point of where I need to have tears anymore. Atta because boy. right now it's just pain, and it's it, I think it's sad that it's you know more felt used to. Um, and watching the game is <laughs> I don't think I don't think this is. I, I want to make sure I say this right. Watching that KU game right there, I want to say it looks like they have a quarterback in Kendrick? I mean, the guy put up hundred
0: uh, yeah, exactly. See, you're kind of like, yeah, but it's like- I, I don't know if that was against the Scrubs because I have no idea who the good players are because it's Coastal Carolina. So right. they could have pulled the hey, starters for all I know. They're,
1: they're good. That's a good football team, okay? That was
0: a red shirt freshman who shredded them.
1: They compared him to Troy Aikman before he <laughs> took a snap, okay? That's how you know he's good.
0: Hey, hey, normally that's a big blunder from whoever's on the announce team. This time, it was not a prediction. It was a spoiler. He nailed it with the Troy Aikman comparison because that guy murdered us. Like, all I'm thinking is how in the world could KU find a way to steal such an elite talent from a powerhouse school like Coastal Carolina? Because that's what KU needs to do, find a way to slip in, steal some of those guys who are, you know, going down to the 15th school in the Carolinas. Like if we can start beating those guys out, maybe Kansas can return to be a powerhouse football program. Who knows? I'll
2: tell you right now, though, uh, if you have to find some kind of silver lining uh, with that game, um, it's your it's your it's your um, sophomore running back Felton Gardner coming in uh, with Puka Williams. It's I, I really want to say that the that the Jayhawks almost had two 100 yard rushers uh, in the, in their game on Saturday. But Coastal Carolina just about did the same thing on the Jayhawks' defense, um, giving up 30 plus points to a Sun Belt team, 35 plus points. Uh, Supernova Belt team. Yeah, to a Sunbelt team is just uh, for one for, for a team like KU in and in a conference like the Big 12. Um, I guess which really isn't known for its defense. Uh, you would think you would you would think that this team would have been a little bit more ready coming out. But my God, they look—they looked flat. They did not look like a Division One football team out there, and we said that a lot about a lot about KU. But usually, their first game of the season is a competitive one, and this one right here just looked like the Jayhawks were straight gassed when they came when they uh, in that first half that you were talking about.
1: Well, it's it's tough because I felt like the first drive was really good. KU got mm-hmm. the ball first. They were aggressive. They moved right down the field. And then one tough luck play turned into a turnover. And then it was gone. Like it just vanished into the night. And before you knew it, it was 28 to 3 at halftime. And everybody's on Twitter talking about the end of the world. Because honestly, I you mentioned it earlier, Mac. You know, it was possibly one of the worst halves of football in KU history. I don't remember one that's worse. Um, but that being said, you know, KU came back in the third quarter and, and made it a pretty competitive ball game. And one questionable call on that onside kick kind of changed the tides once again. You know, if KU ended up getting that onside kick, the offsides ruling wasn't there, which I'm still going to die on the hill. That's not offsides. But that's a whole other discussion. If KU gets that onside kick, who knows the discussion we're having right now? I felt like there are a lot of ways that second half could have gone okay, – you could have lo- laid down, given up, and just completely gotten pounded by a, su- a supernova belt school, you know. Yeah, thank you they, for getting they the right, They made a guys. game of it in the end of things. And the sad thing is is that they we have to sit here and say, hey, they made a game of it against a lower conference. But, I mean, it could have been a lot worse, all things considered.
0: So I would say if we're going to go recent memory of uh, a bad half of football, there was TCU – a few years back where it was like negative six yards of offense Um, so that's probably up there and you got to compare it's like TCU at their least powerful or uh, this Coastal Carolina team that apparently is just strong willed and could take KU out I I, it's weird it's such a bad loss we couldn't even go to the argument of Sunbelt got the extra practices you know it's like Okay, that is a huge advantage. And in any other situation, okay, that makes sense. That's a reason lose. Like, you can't go down 28 to 3 against this team that you're literally putting on the schedule for a free win. And to do two years in a row for them to come here, now you got to go to Coastal Carolina next year and just get smacked by them. Like, that's how awful this loss is. You set it up to kind of help yourselves because you know the only real wins, KU you can get is in those non conference games. This year, you have very little non-conference games. You end up getting ruined by Coastal Carolina, and now you're going to go into a Big 12 schedule where there are not very many wins there, no matter if KU just had a rough start and can get it back on track. Even then, a good KU team, like they've made progress over what we saw from last year. They're still not going to win that many games against these teams. They have very few on the schedule. So uh, it's that same, you know, doom and gloom, and I know – People get upset when you start out the season, one loss means so much. But in KU's case, it's that much bigger because you have to win those games early in the year. Those are the only ones you have a shot. And after that, when uh, fans start getting upset and thinking you're going to fire the coach because, you know, he can't win more than uh, three or four games. I've seen people say they should win three or four games this year, even with a reduced schedule. That's how crazy some KU fans end up being. You you think they would learn how to uh, grade on a curve a little bit better with how bad KU's been for so long but they don't like bless miles has to find a way to win. And now the, it, it's just making it that much worse. I assume uh, that he's nowhere close to being on a hot seat because uh, KU set the standard pretty low. And it seems like Jeff Wong's got him in there for the long haul, but damn, you can't have many games like this or uh, that, that tide turns very quickly. Uh, any other major college football stuff that uh, well, you I, just
1: to? To, I just wanted to tack on with this loss for KU. It's catastrophic, not only for this year, but potentially for the next couple of years because if you sit here, you know, and go 0-10, it's really tough to go into living rooms of recruits and explain yourself and try and convince them to come to your school to help try and change things. If you win that game, you know, it gets a little bit easier still. Obviously, you have your work cut out for you, but if you get dominated by a lower-level school on national television – it's really hard to walk into a three-star recruits living room and say, yeah, we, we think we're going places. We think we're heading in the right direction, and we want you to be a part of that. Well, if I'm that kid sitting on the couch listening to that coming my direction, it gets really hard to trust or listen to that or, or even remotely want to be a part of it. So, I mean, that, that loss is bigger than just this year for Kansas, and that, that's just all I wanted to add to that.
0: Yeah, and that's a hundred percent true. Like if you lose that game, same way last year, starting out with those losses, losing the coast of Carolina, that was going to be the fate, even year one with Les Miles. And then Dearman comes in, has some big, high-powered offensive games, and you're able to spin that narrative a little bit better. I don't know if you can do that again this year. I don't. It's going to be very tough, particularly with Dearman coming out week one, being the guy. And they looked pretty bad on offense early. Maybe it just took a little bit of time. That I will give them a couple weeks to to show us, but you have to look a hundred times better than what we just saw. Or you're right, Jackson. There's gonna be those recruits that you're like, hey, we got them on there. They they've they've come. Oh, did they just say they're leaving? Did they just say they're not signing on the dotted line? That happens to KU all the time. And less miles avoided in year one. It's gonna be a lot harder year two. Uh, Marco, any major college football stuff that really stood out other than K State? like, that's more embarrassing, I think, than KU's loss because K-State was supposed to be good.
2: Yeah, honestly, yeah, KU, what's nice is is that it's not as embarrassing for them as it was for K-State and Iowa State. Um, but that just says, once again, the state of the football program and what it's been at for KU for the last decade. Um, but, no, I think you guys touched on those two points about KU being able to recruit now that it looks like the Les Miles plan uh, is not going to be working out so well. My next thing also is, um, and like you said with Brett Deerman, you touched on that very well too. His play calling, there's going to be a, some adjustments made um, heading into the, the next in, into the next few weeks, especially with the start of Big Twelve play.
0: All right, so, um, so college football, football. I'm not sure uh, how much uh, stuff really stood out because other than the the supernova belt, uh, that was kind of the the biggest uh, story. Uh, of Saturday and everything else was kind of uh, relaxed a little bit. N- nothing really stood out. All the other teams kind of took care of business. Uh, heading into NFL, though, that was exciting because we got the kickoff of the NFL season was <laughs> our Chiefs facing off with the Texans. And, God, like I could not have been more happy with super checkdown game that still landed with this just dominant victory it's like this is the least we have to do if you can't keep us from dropping 30 on you like that's life now and nothing was better than watching oh that that offensive attack what do they do when they have a elite running back first round pick Clyde's Edward Taylor coming in and he just he he's he's so fast so agile can catch out of the backfield the perfect weapon uh I, I, I hate any conversation that's about 16-0, so we're not going to have that. But when you're talking about an all-time type team, like that's where the Chiefs are. They got everybody back. They're trying to run back that Super Bowl. And in a year where there were no practices in the offseason, where everything, everybody's coming in not ready to go, it's all about who do you got coming back. They brought back their coordinators even. This team is ready to just go rampage on the NFL. And I'm excited for the next uh, 17 weeks. It, it
1: it doesn't get a whole lot better than that honestly to sit there and say all right we're playing with house money this year because we're coming off of a first Super Bowl in 50 seasons oh by the way we're bringing 20 of 22 starters back plus one of the most dynamic players in the draft is now on our offense I mean <laughs> you, if you're Andy Reid or Eric Biennemi it literally cannot get any better and to be a Chiefs fan, it's even better for us because there's people out there that are hopping on the Chiefs bandwagon, which just feels so weird to say, coming from where we've come from growing up Chiefs fans. But like for us to have sat through the Damon Hewards and the Tyler Thigpins and just the disastrous seasons of the past, it's been such a fun year and it seems like it's only getting better.
0: I'll just say I love Thiggy Pop, so be careful what you say about Tyler Thigpin. Marco. you can go now
2: it's crazy to think because usually after a super bowl teams are supposed to get a hangover or uh they're not supposed or things are supposed to be looking different but like you guys said the structure of this team is different than what we've seen from super bowl uh champions in the past or teams that have attempted to go at dynasty runs which Kansas city is in the attempt right now i'm not saying that i'm not i'm not saying that they are the dying that they are a dynasty but i'm saying that there have been teams who have tried to uh, may, try try to do that with their own franchise and they have failed the chiefs right now and what bread beach is doing is they have a legit plan and we're seeing it come to work uh in a season where I feel like we should be worried about having the target on us and wanting, and um, I should be and, and not wanting teams to come after them. It's the complete opposite. I think Thursday night was the most calm I've ever watched the Chiefs game. Even when they were down zero seven to zero, it's like, eh, You know what? We've seen this team knows now too that from their experience in the playoffs, especially last year, that no matter what is no matter what gets thrown at them could be a 28, a 24 point lead or a seven point lead. It's, they're going to treat it all like it's the same. And I, I really, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, but this team has a lot of swagger. And like Jackson said, we grew up with team, with uh, chiefs teams that did not have any at all at none at all. And now this team is at the top. It's a, it's a whole new feeling going into the season as a fan.
0: Yeah, it seems like uh, everything has shifted where mm. normally you go in and who's the, the, the frontrunner to win the AFC? It's the Patriots year in and year out. And now you have Tom Brady displaced. He's down in Tampa Bay, and it, it, he looks like, he looks like a clone of Jameis Winston, so nothing's changed down there. And then uh, it, it should be interesting with the, the Patriots with Cam Newton. They started out on a, 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 mm-hmm. you know, a good game there, but also – Nothing impressive, nothing that kind of makes you think, okay, for sure, they're going to be able to move on without Tom Brady and just make it work. So now we're kind of watching, and, and the only other team that really scares me really is the Ravens. I mean, uh, that's a team that has such a good defense that Lamar Jackson, if he's healthy, is just a guy that you can't really stop. Like, uh, I, I know a lot of people talk about it, like the that maybe it's a gimmick-type offense, yada, yada, yada after a year that you can start to key in on him. But the truth of the matter is, he is a guy who, when they run the ball with him, they have an extra man advantage. There is going to be one guy who has to tackle him in open field. And even if you do that every play but a couple, those couple plays, he's going to break for a big game for a touchdown. And, oh, yeah, he can also throw down the field. There has been very few guys that have that game-breaker status that also can complete passes. And he has more options. He's getting more comfortable with Marquise Brown, and somehow they win thirty-eight to six against the Browns, almost entirely from their defense. You get J.K. Dobbins stealing touchdowns from Mark Egram who only brought me three points. I lose week one fantasy. Makes me sad, but I also watch and I think that Ravens team uh, could be uh, the, the only thing that we have to worry about as Chiefs fans. And I, I just, I just want to know: the, What did you guys see from the Ravens? Do you think that they're gonna? be able to be right there and be one of the rare times where Chiefs-Ravens are at the top of the division uh, two years in a row? And then is there anybody else in the AFC that we should be worried about?
2: You know, the, as far as the Ravens goes, it's kind of like looking at the Chiefs, but in a way as we saw a team now that last year had it all, but they went into an offseason and made a lot of switches and improved their team. Uh, especially at the defensive line, adding Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell, but now also they've added the, their own, like you said, wide uh, running back to um, their offense, who is dynamic, who can run the ball and catch the ball, and be and be that kind of utility player. The Ravens, I'm telling you, man, I think it's the fact that Mahomes has Lamar Jackson's number early on right now. I when when I watched when I watched the Chiefs and Ravens last year it wasn't as close as a game as the score might see as the score might say because or show because the Chiefs were up by I want want to say it was 16 to 20 points in the third quarter um, in that week three game last year and Ravens had to go into a garbage time kind of thing or getting garbage points out of it I just I I, they're 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 right there with the Chiefs that's a team that's the, the Chiefs should be worried about but Man, I I just I I I, I just, it, it's a confidence thing. I'm telling you, man. I ain't never had this feeling before. Uh, <laughs> as a Tuesday, I'm trying to I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can. But after watching Week One, um, I want to see what the Ravens can do. I do believe, though, one last thing: their past defense may have gotten better without Earl Thomas. I think watching that game against the Browns, uh, and that's what I'm saying. I need to watch more Ravens to see what happens because. Uh, the Browns are obviously not the hardest test uh, for a defense.
0: Yeah, I think there was a conversation about could uh, the Baker Mayfield just get back to kind of what he looked like year one yeah. now that he doesn't have Freddie Kitchens. And he, he might still be able to. It might just be that the Ravens' defense is that good. That's just the wrong team for him to test it against, and he looked pretty awful week one. Uh, Jackson, any thoughts on the Ravens or any other big stories in the NFL that sticks out to you?
1: I think the Ravens are are without a doubt one of the best teams in the NFL. But I, I I really wanted to talk about Lamar Jackson and how he's impressed me as a passer. There's been all this talk about how he he could he's a great runner, sure, but he he's not a quarterback. He's a running back. You know, blah blah blah. He, you mentioned you know the word gimmick. I hear you hear that a lot thrown around with when you talk about the Ravens. But I think that Lamar has really improved his passing to the point where he is a legitimate NFL quarterback that's going to pose a lot of challenges for a lot of teams. And the Chiefs, as good as they may look right now and as, as much of an advantage as they may have, they're not going to have it easy against them in a couple of weeks uh, when those two teams square off. And, and I'm sure, as, as Marco mentioned, Patrick Mahomes has had uh, Lamar's number here in the last couple of years. So that's going to be kind of a chip on Lamar's shoulder heading into that game, I would think making it mean all just all that much more. So I'm so excited for that game. When you start looking at this schedule and you circle some of those marquee games, that one to me is the one for the Chiefs and the Ravens because you're really going to see a lot of different things and you're going to learn a whole lot more about what exactly we can expect come week 17 or heading into the playoffs.
2: One One thing to keep in mind, I saw a tweet earlier today and maybe you guys saw it too. I'm trying to go back to it right now. The Ravens gave up less than 20 yards after the catch against the Browns.
1: Wow!
2: Just very that that right there is wow. that shut that is right that is a shutdown secondary right there. Because right there, you know that your wow. corners, these can pass protect and that they can that they could tackle well. I, I
1: think that's definitely a, a testament to their defense. But I think you could also add in a few doses of the other team's quarterback to that as well. Not to like dog too much on Baker Mayfield. I just think maybe he might be focusing a little bit too much on his Hulu progressive commercials as he is (laughs) your, you know, like maybe, maybe focus a little bit more on your actual job as great as your commercials are Baker. That's all I'm saying.
0: I'm going to go the opposite way. I think he's, he's so much better at the commercials stick with what works for you guy and try to last as long as you can in the NFL because I'm pretty sure they'll take the commercials away once you're done. But you just have to be just good enough. Get like five, ten years in, keep your name out there. Keep uh, just owning Colin Cowherd like every six months or so. And you can keep getting that payday, Baker. I'm saying focus on what you're good at. And it might not be playing quarterback in the NFL.
2: What's the one where where the Brown Stadium is his home? Because that, that Cause yeah. there's like four of them and they're
0: great. Yeah.
1: The the most recent one where he's like putting the covers on the seats and talking to the ground <laughs> guy, like, don't just stand there, help me. That one it's, is perfect.
0: <laughs> so yeah, he's he's
1: me coming over.
0: See, like he's so good. Like imagine if that personality, like if Peyton Manning had that at his peak, like that's that's just so much money you can make it, right there. It, but it, Baker it, Mayfield's gotta work on the, on the field now.
1: Peyton Manning was great on Saturday Night Live on multiple occasions,
2: okay? I'm not, I'm not...
0: saying he can't bring the heat, but he he's no Baker Mayfield. Like, You're right. Just, just like scared. Baker Mayfield on the football field is definitely no Peyton Manning.
1: You got me there. I'll <laughs> yeah. give it to you.
0: I like to take the easy ones. I got to make sure I get these answers right. Uh, any other big games that stood out to you guys from week one? I'll tell you right now, how much of an effect
2: – do you think that the that COVID all right, so how much of an effect do you think that no fans in the stadiums or the way that sports are playing now will, you know, mess with the future of the season? Not not non cancellation or anything like that, but I'm saying like I was telling you with the NBA when we discussed an earlier podcast, it could be one of those seasons where, you know, the teams who were there last year in the playoffs, they it may be just one of those years where we just see the dominant teams dominate um, once again. And yeah,
1: well, I, I completely agree
2: because I know it. And this is where it's like we we just finished week one. We won't really have an idea what teams really look like until week four, six area. But I just saw nothing impressive about any like the like the bottom feeder teams. You know what I'm talking about the ones that they're predicting is going to be in the top ten draft. There's going to top ten pick and next year's draft. Um, It's nothing like the Broncos game last night, Giants game, Bengals, Chargers, uh, Dolphins. I think those are teams that we know what their season's going to be kind of looking like. But like I said, that's just week one. Um, But, yeah, I just – you know, that's just me. And that's the same same thing I said with the NBA bubble, but look what happened. Uh, We have a three and four seed playing in the Eastern Conference finals right now. It's You
1: you really never know. I think that having no fans is certainly going to kind of throw a wrench into things, but you never really know in what direction it's going to impact things, Mm -hmm. you know, because on one hand, you'd think that it would would kind of help the the favorite in most cases because if you've got an underdog that's at home, has fans behind it, you know, that's always an advantage. But also, like, coming into an environment – where there's, it's just a library, is sort of a shock to the system for anybody. And it's going to be for these athletes for a long time to try and get used to that and trying to run out onto an opposing team's field and realize that there's nobody out there. And you have to find your own way to create your own energy and to to come out ready to play from the jump without the fans screaming and yelling to kind of get you going. It's going to impact the game in a lot of different ways, but I think it's still quite – Quite early to figure out in which direction.
0: Yeah, and I, I think for home field advantage, there might be a few things that kind of even it out. I know a lot of people are thinking because you don't have the fans, that home field advantage is kind of gone. But you still are waking up, you know, in your home city instead of traveling. Uh, there, there are advantages and even in the NBA where they didn't have that, everybody's in the same spot. There is uh, kind of an advantage that everybody has. It's not one team getting advantage over another, but they actually played better in a lot of ways. Like offensively, they were all going to the same gym. They all had the same depth perception. They were able to adjust quick enough that we started seeing lights out shooting that was extremely fun to watch in the first couple uh, rounds of the NBA playoffs. In the NFL, I don't know if there'll be a similar thing, but you got to think that when you're still traveling, you're going to somebody else's stadium, and those players have been playing on their field with nobody there all week. They are going to feel more comfortable than a team that has to come in and adjust where, you know, some of these teams might have played at Arrowhead Stadium in a few years and they're always worried about the crowd. Now they're going to come into Arrowhead Stadium and have to adjust to this is how it feels in this stadium right now with zero people in it. And I think that shock to the system will probably continue throughout most of the year, even as they kind of get used to this being uh, the, the new normal, as it were. But they're not going to be used to each stadium that they walk into. And so I think the home team will still have an advantage that is less travel, being prepared, have already gotten in good reps in practice at that, you know, uh, at that field. And I think it'll still help them. I don't know about how much, but there's still more of a home field advantage than we're seeing in a sport like the NBA where they put them all in the same gym. But it, we'll, we'll just have to watch and see because it, it's so hard to judge because a lot of this is how much is less practice? How much is whatever we saw week one, was entirely based on the fact that they didn't get the same types of reps that they would normally get going into a season. As they go in for a few more weeks, we'll start to see, okay, this is what they look like when they've been able to get a helmet on a helmet and are prepared each Sunday. Uh, I, I, I'm i trying to think of a good game to, to jump into. Uh, I think Cards 49ers really stood out to me because – If Chiefs aren't going to have that Super Bowl lull, it might be the 49ers. And I don't want to criticize them because a loss to the Cardinals right now might seem like that uh, you know rough week for a team that came off a Super Bowl loss. But also that Cards team is ready to do some damage this year. Kyler Murray is in top form. He was gift-wrapped DeAndre Hopkins, which doesn't happen every day as a quarterback in the NFL. And that team just looks like You know, they they were going through a tough 49ers defense. And I don't think that was regression from the 49ers defense. I think that was a huge step forward from a Cardinals team that Kyler Murray already did great last year, and he's ready for a really good sophomore campaign.
1: Yeah, I thought Kyler looked really good in the brief bits of that game that I saw on Red Zone. You know, I don't have the luxury of, of watching that entire game, but it certainly looked good from what I saw. You got to find and, a cousin who has
0: an NFL Sunday ticket.
1: That's the key and borrow the password. shoot, at this point, I might just spend the money on it myself and see what I can do. But from, like I said, from what I saw, he looked really good. And I think that it just goes to show that he was never really, like, bad at all last year. He just didn't have any help. And it's amazing what he can do when you just give him a weapon. He, he just got one, and it wasn't just a good weapon. He got a great weapon and he put it to use like never before in week one. So I can't wait to see what those two accomplish uh, over the course of this season because it's going to be special.
2: I will say this season, uh, the tone of it from the NFL, I feel like it's kind of like a a clapback season a little bit. You got DeAndre Hopkins clapping back at the Texans for trading him. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to shut all the – shut all the haters down who are saying that this is going to be a step back season. He's 37 years old, too old. Uh, we we could be, we could be seeing that. We could be on the verge of a really fun NFL season. Um, especially with the storylines that were made in this off season. Um, Kyler Murray, I will say with Cardinals, um, I did pl- I do play with them on Madden as a fun franchise <laughs> to see where I could grow. You know, it gives you a good idea of how you are as a GM, because that's a team that needs to grow. Uh, I finished three and thirteen the first season, traded for Julio Jones, so not DeAndre Hopkins, but another top elite receiver, went thirteen and three and went to the NFC championship. So it can happen.
1: Yeah. Cardinals could blow up Cardinals from the be it. it can be done in real life. That's all there is to it.
0: I don't know why. Were you playing on all Madden? Like, why were you three and thirteen? I don't care yeah. if you were the Cardinals base. Like, you didn't need Julio Jones. Three and thirteen. Come on, man. You need we they need we needed Julio. I'll tell you right now, he came back. He put up 17 TDs with Colin. I would have put up 17 TDs with who was the uh, <laughs> the wide receiver that got drafted the new shit from last year. I would have taken that guy and got 17. Colin um, Yeah, Man, I would have just murdered with him. Uh, so I, I was thinking of uh, you, you said Aaron Rodgers. That's a good one. That's a it was an idea I had in my head. I forgot, and you brought it back up, Marcos. A good job. That is a, a question I was going to have. You already gave your answer that you think uh, he's going to have a really good year, but you described it as people saying he's going to have a step back year. That's not what the argument's been. It's that he's already stepped back, that he's already basically washed. And there when you, you think of him as an elite talent, he hasn't been that for years. And even last year, 13-3, and three, that was entirely off a of defense and a running game. Now oh, he goes into this year, he heard a lot of people talking shit. And he decided not to give my running back Aaron Jones the carries in the red zone. He just kept throwing that to uh, whatever that wide receiver is. Alvin Too many names, don't know, but he kept throwing him TDs instead of my guy. It made me very upset. So I'll, I'll go with Jackson now. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers is still going to be that elite guy? Do you think what we just saw week one is what we can expect the rest of the year?
1: I mean, obviously, I think there's going to probably be some downfall weeks, like he's going to have some lulls, but to me, he showed in one week, about as well as you can show that, hey, I'm still here, And, and all the talk has been about how he doesn't have hardly any weapons outside of Devontae Adams, well, it seemed like it didn't really matter against the Vikings. You know, he was tossing the ball all over the place, and Valdez Scantling looked like an elite-level receiver, which I don't know how you make a guy like that look that good. He even made Equiminius St. Brown look decent a couple of times. I mean, that's the type of quarterback that you're going to be talking about for a long time, no matter how old he is. And, and, I mean, he's 37. Yes, that's aging, but it's not like Tom Brady aging. He's still got five years or so before we have that. Maybe I ought to hang it up, conversation. So I'm not ready to to have write we, have it. Have we
0: moved the goalpost at that this point? Like quarterbacks, we're just expecting forty two years old. Is that where we're at right now?
1: I don't know if we're expecting it, but for it seems like for that generation of quarterbacks, that it's all they guys. do is...
0: it's Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Who are the oh, other guys they, who are they, in their forties doing this shit? I, I would
1: I would love Peyton Manning with that because, like, the, the – Peyton Manning work. was, like,
0: 38 in a skeleton. They won off of the the rest of the team. Like, there's nobody else. It's those two guys. Like, now we're fine. just assuming Aaron Rodgers with a dozen injuries already has had three down years. He's going to play till 42? I'm not so sure, Jackson.
1: Well, clearly the, the Packers aren't so sure either because they drafted <laughs> Jordan Love. Which probably is the reason we saw so
0: many touchdowns that first week. That's
1: why he looked so good, is he said, okay, go ahead. Draft your first-round quarterback or whatever. I'm just going to go off for another year or two and make you regret that decision for a little while. That's the chip on his shoulder.
0: Maybe he plays well enough. By uh, week six, they trade him. Trick somebody, get the trade value up, because we know Aaron Rodgers is really done and not making it until 42. I don't know why Jackson's making things up like that which is a ridiculous hey, projection He's or...
1: going to make it to 41. That's my – I'm telling you. Four All more right. years. Four more years. How, how old's Big Ben?
0: So we got Aaron Rodgers, 37. Me. How old's
2: Big Ben? I think Big 37-2, honestly. Or 38, because he just signed that two-year deal to put him in the 40, I think.
0: So we'll see. I mean, if, if Big Ben can make it to 40, then I will count, like, that's the new bar. Because Big Ben basically – just yeah, big got destroyed for for years. His body 40. is crushed. If he can make it to 40 and still be out there slinging, fine. We'll change the ruling. The new rules have made it where quarterbacks can play under their 40s. But until then, stop assuming they're going to make it to 42. Come on, guys. Uh, I, uh, big uh, Monday night games. Uh, I, the only one I really want to talk about because uh, the, the Broncos game is just trash. Titans are trash. I don't know. We had to watch that. The, the Titans were a miracle run last year. Don't expect it to happen again. But uh, that, that that Rams-Cowboys, oh, man, I was so excited to watch that. I, I was told the Cowboys could be like the Chiefs, trying to put up 35 points a game. That offense was going to be rolling, and they couldn't get the field goal to keep that one going 20-17. to 17, that's, that's sad, right? Like, you, you can't talk them up that much and be stuck in a situation where they can barely put points on the board.
1: I felt like they they had potential. I think the potential is there, but I, I agree. I, it was a very underwhelming performance for the build up that was there. It was it was whole the whole oh man this this team was only held back by Jason Garrett. That was the whole conversation. He said, "New head coach Mike McCarthy, man, it's going to be a new look. They're going to be way better. They're going to score a lot more points. Maybe they'll go
0: for it on fourth and short at midfield. Who knows? No, no, yeah, not going to change up the decisions is. at all." <laughs>
1: All, all it was was underwhelming. And I'm hoping, as a Dak Prescott fantasy owner, things start trending in a different direction. But uh, I'm not so sure about it after week one.
0: Marco, are the Cowboys worse than the Rams jerseys? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, because nothing will be worse than those jerseys. God, they. They started growing about no, halfway through. Once I went blind from staring at the bright colors, I saw they look, they look fine, they're cool. They look like it, it, it just looked like an attempt
2: at what the Seahawks gray jerseys are like. But man, they utter that the Rams just utterly filled because, like, the Ram like the Seahawks gray ones, they're tough. These Rams ones, they look like it was made by a seven year old or something, or in a generic Madden room. I don't know, but the Cowboys, I think it's just the Cowboys, they're going to be frustrating. When you play against a, a player like Aaron Donald, that's a, that's, a, that's a defensive player that can disrupt your whole game plan. And I think that's just what happened. I, I think that the um, Cowboys came out and their offensive game plan just did not work at all uh, against a Rams defense that was um, surprisingly well. I don't know. The Rams, this, the Rams have always been a weird team to me um and especially now with where they're spending money at like they just gave cooper cup a crazy a crazy extension um but like i said it's week one i don't think we've seen we haven't seen the true teams of all 32 teams yet um but the cowboys you're right coming out flat there just not the way that they would want to start give them give them more time let him stir the pot a little bit uh <laughs> And that's the same thing I can say about with the Broncos. You got to get more time. They were missing Cortland Sutton and another one of their rookie receivers in that first game. Because I'll tell you right now, those are two teams who are trying to go out, who are trying to build an explosive offense, and it'll get there. But you need some, you need a little bit more time. You need some chemistry. You got to get that chemistry built. And I think that because it, what it, it's just timing. It's all just timing, especially with the Cowboys, Broncos it could be timing and the coaching thing, but, and I but those two teams are more comparable than you would think.
0: All right. We got uh, Jackson. Any last thoughts? I think we're going to wrap up NFL and try to jump to NBA. I don't want to keep you guys too long, but uh, we'll, we'll get your last thoughts and then we'll jump to uh, what do you guys think is going to be the, the top uh, game for week two to watch.
1: I don't have anything extra to add other than uh, next week, I'm really looking forward to Seahawks Patriots. Mm. Yeah, That's,
0: That's going to be a fun yeah. one. So, uh, you know, we we got Cam Newton going up against uh, Russell Wilson, who uh, is – it seems like the less cool Russell Wilson gets on social media, the better football player he is. So, I hope he just does some sort of – of uh, really bad viral video sometime that can uh, beat out his last one because uh, once that happens, they I don't know, he might get an MVP vote for the first time. Who knows? Might happen. Right. All right. So I, that was the game I was going to pick. So Jackson beat me to it. Marco, any other game you see on the, the slate that uh, you're excited for? Um, Washington
2: and Arizona.
0: Let's see who's <laughs> Baker and who's
2: <laughs> really going to be. Let's see, Let's no, see. No let's see what follows up from both of their big wins who follows up who's gonna who who's the faker and who is i don't even. what's the other one what's that saying faker and
1: i don't even know what you're talking about
2: I no idea i don't even know what i'm talking about either who's the maker who's the faker and who's gonna make some w's oh my god
0: yeah i have no idea but uh not washington is the answer uh, so that that's uh all we have for nfl now we're gonna jump to nba real fast and uh, we're already missing some of the the game seven, so uh, whatever we say will already be irrelevant. But uh, I did want to talk about just where we're at right now with Clippers and Nuggets are going to face off to decide who goes on to face the Lakers in Western Conference Finals. Uh, already underway with uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, which uh, was setting up this podcast, so I missed it. We're we're got a couple minutes left. Celtics might actually knock off uh, the Heat in Game One, uh, up five right now with just a couple minutes to play, but. Uh, even if the Heat lose, they've had such uh, an impressive run to get to this point. Uh, I, I just want to figure out, uh, you know, how impressed you guys are with the Heat, and then we'll go negative right after that and talk about the future for Giannis out So starting out, uh, we'll, we'll let Marco go first. Uh, are you shocked by the Miami Heat making this run to get to the Eastern Conference Finals?
2: Heck no, I'm not shocked. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? What did I tell you, man? What did I tell you, Mac? It was gonna be the young
0: teams in the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Pretty they vague were... prediction. I don't think they would have paid out uh, if you made a bet on that. Young <laughs> no. teams make it. See, I told um, you.
2: Well, no. I, one of my one of one of my teams made it. I did have the oh, bug cool. in it, given the benefit of the doubt, um, until the, But I didn't. I had no idea that they were gonna come out and play. They way, Play they did against the Heat. The Heat just looked like a more complete team, and that's what, and that's what scares me about this Eastern Conference is that uh, those there's players there, – I was talking about chemistry earlier. There's, these two teams right here have some of the best chemistry in basketball, and they got two of the best coaches in the NBA also. And congrats to Big Spolstra for getting back out there, getting back into uh, big games like, like this one uh, because – he is a coach that I think got overshadowed a little bit because he had LeBron D Wade and Chris Bosch. Um, so give credit where credit is due now to him. Cause it's long, Cause I think it's long overdue. Um, and I, I, the heat, they've been doing everything right. And Jimmy Butler is a good leader for this young group of kids. Um, the Tyler hero just made second team uh, all rookie today. He's been playing like a stud in these playoffs. It's not like his first playoff appearance. Uh, it's it, it, the heat. This heat team is special. And like you said, that it's such, it's such a big accomplishment for them making it to the conference finals. That given they win or lose, no matter how the season ends, they, they finish with an A in my book for this year. All right,
0: Jackson, uh, as the not Bucks but Giannis fan, uh, what team should Giannis uh, immediately tuck his tail and run to after just getting walloped by the Miami Heat?
1: I want him to stay <laughs> so badly so badly do I want him to stay because I think as much as I like him if he leaves and goes somewhere like to the Warriors or just some super team I'm just gonna lose a lot of respect for him because I'm there's something to be said for building something in the place where you come up and and there's not a lot of that these days with some of the superstar players, and I thought that he was going to be different. But right now, I'm not so sure. Um, it, it's really kind of a weird situation because clearly the Bucks are willing to do whatever it takes to keep him there. To sign have... Malcolm
0: Brogdon to a contract. Other than that, everything else.
1: But, I mean, man, he <laughs> – I hope he doesn't go anywhere. I don't have any insight as to where he might land. Toronto I, Raptors. <laughs> I Boy, just, all, all I'm saying is I, I just – Did not block re- the
0: mic when I did that? My bad. I mean, that was supposed to be a secret, guys. My bad.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to stay in Milwaukee. That's all I'm going to say.
0: All right. Toronto Raptors. Good, good decision. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it, it was tough to watch, but it, it it's weird how that wasn't surprising that – the Bucks became the Toronto Raptors and the Toronto Raptors. Well, they were still the Toronto Raptors, but for a couple games, Raptors impressed me. They, they won, they they made it look like they could take down the Celtics. So, uh, I was impressed with that. And, you know, Lowry keeps uh, building on his resume and it, it looks really good. Uh, it wasn't nearly enough because the Celtics just have so many pieces, so many guys. And when I look at that team, when I look at the cohesiveness of the Miami heat, uh, I see two great teams that I love to watch but the question is can they win a championship of either the heat or the Celtics do either one have a shot of going up against whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers or whether it's the greatest basketball player in the world right now Jokic and the Nuggets do those teams have a chance of actually beating the Western Conference champion
1: yeah I absolutely have a chance I
0: said that with a lot of confidence together
1: it's because it's true, especially right now with as not confident as, as I am in the Clippers. Uh, but, you know, I, I really, I mean, the Nuggets aren't apparently a great team until they get down three to one. So, so I mean, as long as you avoid letting them get to three to one, you're going to be fine.
0: You just give up two games earlier. What's the? Yeah, I don't know give, what the strategy is to avoid yeah,
1: that. Just give them the first two, and then you're fine. You're golden. They're they're done. Done,
2: chain.
0: Seems like it might be better to try to aim for that sweep. But, uh, you know, you, you might be right, Jackson. Giving up games sounds good. That's a good way to advance in the playoffs. Uh, Marco, you, you said it with confidence as well. What what? Which team, if you had to pick one, you think, not just from uh, the score of tonight's game, but when you're trying to figure out who can actually match up with the Lakers or the Clippers, which team do you think needs to make it out of the Eastern Conference Finals and give them a run for their money? Gosh, man. Because both both teams could.
2: But I think it's the Clippers because, once again, it's just better roster up and down.
0: And, Sorry, I meant on the other side. I meant with the, the Heat and the Celtics. Which one needs oh. to, to, to win and can actually knock off one of the L.A. teams? Oh, my God. um. Uh,
2: I, I think I will. I, it's a Celtics because who who's gonna stop Anthony Davis on the Heat? Who's gonna ban ban Adebayo? I He can he can give him he a challenge. He did a good job with Giannis. He did a good job with Giannis. But I, I I think Davis and Giannis are two different people. I think Davis has a little bit more length. Uh, gosh, it's 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 pro it's it's probably it's probably the Celtics because. Well now, see, and here's the thing: it could be the Celtics or Heat because where do you beat the Lakers? You beat them with the guards because you can't beat them with length. Got to try to beat them with the guards. <laughs> Rockets unfortunately could not do that. But what the Celtics and Heat have is that they have someone better than uh, they have someone down low who could challenge AD uh, as far as winning the battles against them. I just I don't see it happening. But I think it's a, I, I just feel like it's the Celtics then. Um, I just like Jason Tatum too much, man. I like that. I like that. We finally that. got an answer. We
0: got some some, some in there. We finally got an answer. No, I will no. do a, an equal waffle. Uh, my pick. Like, I think if it's the Clippers, if they can actually beat the Nuggets tonight, then the team that's best built to beat the Clippers is the Celtics. They have wings for days so they can actually try to match up with mm-hmm. Kawhi and Paul George. They have the rest of that roster that is actually deep enough to go up against a Clippers team that – When they're playing well, the Clippers really deep and go at you, they take games off. The Celtics aren't taking games off. And as long as Kemba Walker's knees hold up, that is a team that can beat the Clippers. I think if it's the Lakers, then you're right. Then, like, you just – you want to hope that those wings can do something, but Anthony Davis is going to shred them. Like, you won't have the size to keep up. Tice is not going to be able to stand in his way. Mm. And even if you did try to go the bigger lineup with the Celtics, That's what the Lakers would want anyways. They have sinners for days. And so if you go big, they're ready for that as well. So I think the Celtics, while on paper for a while, I thought that was a team that had enough to kind of keep up uh, with, with the Lakers. I think Anthony Davis, the way we've seen him play, I don't think they have a player on that roster. Miami, on the other hand, I wasn't sure until I saw Bam Adebayo go up against Giannis. And while it was a team effort, it was stacking that lane with four guys every time. It worked, and Bam is the type of guy that not only will be able to give Anthony Davis just a little bit of trouble on the defensive end, he is going to tire out one of those bigs on the offensive end because that man goes 100 miles per hour, and he still has a couple years. If he can improve some of his skill sets, he is going to be a difficult player to stop for the foreseeable future. It's just right now he's not quite that player, but he doesn't need to be. All he needs to do is be a difficult matchup for Anthony Davis And the rest of that Miami Heat team, they have so much energy. They're so fierce. They have enough shooting. The guards, yeah, you're not going to win in that uh, matchup with just trying to, to beat them that way. But they're not bad at the guards' position. And you got Jimmy Butler, who has irrational confidence that has not come to bite him at this point. Maybe it will in the conference finals or in the NBA finals. But as it is right now, when it, that team needs a bucket, Jimmy Butler says I'm the guy, and he has been right more often than not. So if I'm going those two matchups, that's the the split there. But uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if the Clippers can even get past Jokic because uh, Jokic is, uh, like I said, best player in the world. Uh, I, he's my hero because, I mean, maybe it's just because he's an uh, out-of-shape white guy who keeps dominating in the playoffs. He can't get eliminated before Game 7. Like, that's a pretty good record to have when we have those bullshit stats you see on Instagram with the little graphics and they just pick and choose what makes one player seem better than the other. That's a pretty damn good one to have is I don't lose unless it's a game seven. And half the time I still win that one. Uh, I- I'm excited to watch. And so we're going to have to finish up this podcast really fast because I'm missing too much Jokic time. That's all right. Yeah, no, we can do that. All right. Yeah,
1: the, the Celtics and Heat just went to overtime. Oh. So we, we got to get out of here.
0: NBA, we, we want to bring you coverage. But there's no point in us keep talking about things. They're going to be outdated in 10 minutes. So we're done. That's it. That's all we have for this episode of the Too Many Points podcast. I promise we're going to start coming back uh, more often, definitely weekly. And who knows? I almost talked Bobby G into a Monday morning quarterback edition of the pod. Although, considering his recent track record, don't expect us to have a podcast this Monday morning. But that's all we have. <laughs> Uh, Jackson Schneider, Marco Marquez thanks for coming on today and thanks for listening guys later folks